Welcome to the Fabric Podcast. This episode is our final piece of our conversation, Our Place, before we turn to a new conversation. Here, Greg Meyer helps us look directly at how to move toward sustained action that's deeply woven and honors our individual values and roles and keeps us inspired for the work that Our Place requires. So our place, we've been talking about our place last couple of weeks and this week as well. And our place meaning this is this is our place, the earth, right? It is our place. It's our only place. We don't have any other alternatives. Better be our place. It is not our place in the sense that it belongs to us. No, we belong to it. We are part of it. Um, we are part of a finite planet that is actually a lot more small and a lot more fragile than we probably think it is from our human perspective. And it's not only finite, limited, exhaustible, it is also one, meaning it is like a unity. It's a whole. It's, uh, um, it is, you know, just one big piece all woven together, nothing standing apart, uh, nothing immune from the consequences of its actions, and that includes us human beings, right? Which is kind of one of the problems. Why we need to talk about this? Because we haven't done so well with that part of it. Uh, at least not us in our Western culture over these last centuries. We have had a tendency to see ourselves as apart from everything else, right? Um, you know, we kind of stand above, stand uh, apart from it. We even use language, you know, about being apart from it. We talk about human beings and nature as if those are two different things, right? Like we aren't actually part of all that, which is impossible. Um, there is no other way to exist in this universe other than part of the whole. No other possibilities. We are woven into the fabric of all things just as much as the air that's not blowing right now or you know, the uh, birds that are singing, the uh, magma that is rumbling away beneath our feet or the glaciers, the oceans, the fish, the insects, the bacteria, you name it, all of it. We are all part of the same whole. There is no exceptions. There's no other way of existing. So the thing is, we need to be part of everything again, right? We've gone so far. We've moved ourselves so far from it. We need to get woven back into all that. And we don't do that just in our sentiments, right? This isn't just an idea. No, we actually have to do it with our economy, with our lifestyle, with our systems of government and of education and of transportation and you name it, all of it needs to be ways or modes that function for us as part of the world to weave us back into all things rather than weaving us out of it or fraying us from that overall sort of thing. So unfortunately, our Judeo-Christian tradition, which has shaped a lot of Western tradition over the last centuries, has not really helped with some of that. In fact, I would say it's responsible for a lot of our understanding ourselves of, as consumers of rather than participants with this world that we're in. We have used the Bible, in fact, let me change that, we have misused the Bible, in fact, to give us license to stand over and against the, the rest of the world and to excuse ourselves from the consequences of our actions. L let me... Um, maybe show how really it's intended to work. So the very, very beginning of the Bible, the first book of the Bible is called Genesis, and it starts out with two chapters that tell two stories about how creation happened, okay? Um, now, each of these poetic tellings of how all things came to be, how creation happened, um, are not meant to be science or as history, but poetic tellings of, of 
our, our relationship to the world and our relationship to that which is bigger beyond between that weaves us all together, what a lot of people understand as God, and some people have trouble with that kind of language around it, but, but that, okay? And um, so when it did it, it created these two stories, what? The first one, the very first chapter of Genesis, the very first chapter of the Bible, talks about everything being created and humankind is created, and God says to humankind, it says, um, um, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over all living creatures. Well, we sure did that. Now, now the problem is, the problem is that that was not written for a 21st century people with our population, with our technological capabilities. That was written to people 3,000 years ago who really were subject, they had very little control over the world, and they were always subject to the vagaries of nature around them. It, it was trying to give them permission to say, you have a unique role here, and you can carve out a place for yourselves. Right? And in fact, you're going to have some responsibility when you do that. It was not intended to give them free license, to say, you can go do whatever you want with all of this. No, our present ability to impact and exhaust our planet wasn't conceived of. It wasn't part of the conversation that we got that message from. Okay, so that was chapter one. Then chapter two comes along, and another telling of the story of creation. Now, I think it's really interesting that you get the very first two chapters of the Bible that each tell a story about how all things came to be, and they don't agree. And they're there, right side by side. What that tells me is that those people, thousands of years ago, were much better at something than we are, and that is living with ambiguity. Yeah, really realizing that there needs to be a bigger picture of all this. Well, anyway, so the second version of how all things came, come to be has humankind created, and the message to us from God is you can till it and keep it. We're placed in the garden, the world, said you can till it and keep it. What's that about? Till. Till it means you can use it. You can create a living, a place for yourselves in this world. You're allowed to do that. And you are to keep it, guard it, care for it, protect it. Those two things need to go hand in hand. The garden is sacred. It is not ours. We are in charge of it in many ways because of who we human beings so uniquely are in this world, but it is not ours to simply do with what we want. We can till it, we can use it, and we are to keep it and care for it. This is the concept that was developed and turned into what we would call stewardship. To not own something, it isn't yours, but you are in charge of it. So why two creation stories? Because two are needed to tell the whole story. It's complicated, it's important, it's subtle. And unfortunately, we paid a lot more attention to that first story than the second story. And that has been incredibly unfortunate and has created a lot of problems that the putting those two stories together was intended to try to protect us from doing to ourselves and to the world around us. And it's had some tragic consequences. Anyway, it's time for us to weave ourselves back into this world, back into creation, rather than unraveling ourselves from it. And that is going to require some change. Everybody's in favor of change, but no one wants to do it because change is hard. Change is painful, but the pressure is on. It's already too late for us to evade and escape all the effects of climate change, loss of habitats, loss of biodiversity, and so on, which can make this seem impossible, but it's not. It is possible. So how do we deal, how do we face this seemingly 
overwhelming challenge that's before us without like running away screaming when you hear the news in the morning or that report that comes up, whatever. Did you feel like dwelling in those thoughts created a spiral? And did it tend to go down? <laughs> yeah, just taking you down with it? Uh, it certainly does with me. And, and then the other hand, when you start talking about, well, what do people really love about this world? Like, what gives me hope? What is so beautiful, so precious that I want to hang on to it? That, you know, I, I, I don't want to lose it. I, 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 it's, it's indispensable for this world. When you start talking about those and sharing those and your love for them and the experiences you've had, do you feel another spiral happening? And maybe this one goes up and carries you with it there as well. Um, here's the deal. I am not suggesting that we substitute the cold, hard facts that we need in order to have some feel-good moments. And, you know, we're going to dwell on that instead. All right? That is not what this is about. Now, I, I'm not talking about whether one of these was the real thing or the other was the real thing. No, those, both those conversations are very, very real, and they are not to be denied. They are not to be unacknowledged. What I'm talking about is which one of them motivates us to make things happen. Which one um, is going to really make changes in your life, the kind of changes that we have? So here's what tends to happen, is that we hear this news, and most of the news, an awful lot of the news, the stuff that gets our attention, is pretty negative. It's pretty scary. It's out there. You know? And we hear that. We hear any of those scary things that you were talking about in your circles, and then that creates fear or worry or anxiety, maybe some desperation, or maybe it creates guilt within you because, gee, I haven't been doing enough and I'm letting this all happen, and it's all my fault. Maybe, maybe you're feeling all that sort of stuff. And that drives you then to do something, right? All that worry, all that fear drives you to do something. And you go from raw awareness to action. That's, that's what we do as human beings. Well, it is a very well-established fact that fear is a great motivator. I mean, you want to see me run? Release a tiger near me, all right? I mean, it works. Here, here's the problem. Well, while fear is a really good motivator on the short run, it's a really lousy motivator on the long run. You just don't stay afraid. The adrenaline wears off. You get used to a new normal, and you accept that, and you just move on as if it never happened anymore. It all wears off of us. On top of that, fear and guilt seldom create good and deep solutions. Now, they're more, they're more interested in making us feel better than making the situation better, all right? And so they're less interested in collaborating and finding those deep, those uh, really long-term solutions. Now, Band-Aids, self-righteousness, you know, that, that's where it leads us because that's where we can find the comfort that we're looking for to get out of that. And it isn't helpful. Now, there is another way. Between awareness and action, we can have something in between there. And I call that appreciation. You can go from awareness to appreciation to action. Appreciation is when you not only absorb what is wrong, but what is possible. Appreciation is, you know, being propelled by your vision of something that you love rather than driven by the fear of something you're worried about. That's the difference between the two of them. Appreciation is what you're experiencing when you shared what it is that you're in awe of, what you love and you find so wonderful, meaning full of wonder in this world. When you are talking that way, when you do talk that way, when you surround yourself with people like that, you are creating a vision to run towards rather than a problem to run from. And that is all so very, very different. So let's be clear. This is not idealism versus realism. 
Neither that first sharing you did nor the second sharing were giving you solutions to the problems. No, they were both talking about, they were both highlighting motivations, the things that might drive you forward, right? So think to yourself, which do you think is a better motivation? Both are necessary, we need to know the facts, but which of those is going to propel you to make the changes necessary to sustain this planet? Constant fear or a vision for what's possible? A vision for something that you really like for yourself, for your kids, for your grandkids, for, for the rest of life and all the systems in this planet. Awareness, appreciation, action. Now, awareness is more than knowledge, right? It's awareness, then appreciation. It's on top of it. Awareness is more than knowledge. Awareness is relationship. And you can finish this sentence for me if you're with Fabric because I use it almost every week. Relationships are everything. If you remember anything from today, if you remember anything from your connection with Fabric, that relationships are everything, you will be so far ahead of the game. In fact, we would not have the ecological problems we have today if we all had deep down in our hearts the fact that relationships are everything. Not using stuff is everything. Anyway, um, so what does appreciation look like? For me, I've had a very privileged life of being able to have long, deep experiences in wilderness areas all around this planet. And by wilderness, I mean places where I, as a human being, am a guest. This was not my territory, right? Uh, my wilderness is another, another thing's home, right? My home is another thing's wilderness. But I've been out in these wilderness, and when I'm there... I just I, I begin to absorb what this is like, what the world is like when it isn't just there for my purposes. I begin to value and respect the world for its own sake, not for how it serves my purposes. And to me, that's been huge. I also, appreciation for me means getting to know the birds, getting to know the animals, getting to know the insects and the plants, and glimpse into the intricacies of how they are woven into the world around them, the roles that they play with each other and with the larger world, and just begin to see all that. And, and seeing all of that and how I'm part of this doesn't make me feel smaller. It makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger, something that I'm willing to do an awful lot to make sure it doesn't get messed up. That's what appreciation looks like for me. It's, appreciation is planting a garden every spring and working and learning how to make that thrive and then watching it grow and harvest it in the summer and the fall and just develop, well, not only enjoying all that, but just having a lot of respect for the people who provide food for me and for this planet that's able to make that happen. And I think a really big one is to not take my food that I eat that I need to live for granted. I mean... Dare I say there is nothing about this planet that we dare take for granted? So, so what are your stories of appreciation of this world? Take time to remember, when did you pause and your attention was caught and you were fascinated, you were in awe, you were filled with wonder about some little or some big thing that was going on in this world around you? What did it feel like inside you? What did you learn? What did you take away from it? How did you share it with others? Because that sharing is so important. So look for opportunities to do that this week, to pause and to take in the world from its point of view, not your own, and share those stories with other people. That would be your homework this week, okay? So appreciation. Appreciation does something else. When I discover others who also love this world, 
beyond our human creations in it and who have insights and experiences to share. A natural bond uh, occurs between me and that person. Our appreciation connects us. I have others on my team now. You know, fear tends to isolate us. It makes us feel helpless and powerless. And, and you know, our appreciation tends to pull us together. Hope and vision make me bigger. They, they connect me with others. Last week, I, I said that um, our attitudes are infectious, and, and that's true. If you look at this world and what you see are natural resources to be exploited by us, well, that greed, and I'll call it what it is, that greed will be picked up by others who would love to have permission to have that kind of relationship with this world. If you are a person who's just like caught up in all the bad news and you're you know, feeling um, you know, doomsday and desperate and helpless, people around you will, be, will pick up on those feelings as well. On the other hand, if you are excited about this world around you, if you're doing things you know, to make for life and more life, if you're finding ways to, new ways to live and, and are excited and loving the changes that it's bringing to yourself and the world around you, other people are going to join in on that as well. They're going to get pulled right along with you, not only in, in, in your appreciation, but also in the action that is helping make these things that you love in this world happen. So this rhythm of awareness, appreciation, action, it helps us stay healthy, it helps us stay effective in the world. So two quick notes to end on. First, focusing on the positive, on the appreciation, does not mean stop reading the news or, and avoid the facts, nor does it mean that if you move that way, you will never feel worry and anxiety or guilt or something again. No. This isn't about whether you will read the news or whether you will sometimes be afraid or worried or not. It is about what are you going to do with that news? What are you going to do with those emotions you have? Are you going to let them drive your bus? Or are you going to treat them for the sources of information, because it's important information that they have for you, and then you're going to turn to your vision and say, now what do I choose to do? Vision, born of appreciation, should be driving our buses. Let's do that. Second, you and I as individuals are incapable of making all the changes that will reverse this crisis and loss of habitat, loss of biodiversity and things like that. Systems are going to have to change, all right? But all those systems, whether it's government, whether it is corporations, whether it is global expectations and lifestyles, they change because people change. Individuals, one by one, people like you, and people like me. Systems are made of people, and they respond to people. So where do you put your energy? On the macro or on the micro? The stuff close to home or that really big stuff? The answer is both. It's a false choice, folks. We can and need to do both, especially in this place where we are. Change what you can at home, in your business, in your school, in your neighborhood, wherever it is that you have that kind of direct effect. And then speak out beyond your backyard. Write letters, lobby, vote. Recognize that every dollar you spend is a vote for a world that you want to see created around us. So remember, you are not just one in seven billion people on this planet with really no ability to make anything happen. No, you are one of seven billion people who can do anything. Together, we can create movements. And we also know it doesn't take all seven billion of us to do something. 
social scientists have looked at this, and they said somewhere around 20%, all of a sudden, systems start changing. When 20-some percent people start adopting and having a new mindset, systems start changing, and the popular notion of what is normal also begins to change. Folks, this is something we can do. In fact, we are doing, so we are doing it. Let's get working on it. So fall in love with this big, this complicated, this uh, fragile world. Learn from it. Be part of it. And then work where you are gifted. Work where you have opportunity. Work where you have passion and expertise. And also work where you just plain have to because you are the right person at the right time in the right place. And it's your turn to step up to the plate and then trust that others are doing the same as well. So, know that the only real truth of this world is that you are part of it. You belong to it, and it belongs to you. Let's be thankful that we are woven into a world where we are loved in that way, that we are able to be here and be a part of it. We are cared for, and we are connected with people that can support us and hold us accountable and love us and forgive us and give us second chances. May it be so. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, stay up to date with what's going on with Fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricmpls.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.